On this Father's Day, I want to speak on the subject, a better man. Now, anytime you talk about men or fathers in this hyper-politically correct society, somebody's going to infer out of that you're you're anti-women. No, I'm not. I can affirm men and not be anti-women, okay? I can like enchiladas and not be anti-fajita. Are you with me? So we're going to speak to men about men. Now, let me just share with you, if I can, a little bit of water cooler conversation for this week. We have a, a, a phrase, kind of a nomenclature, typically in a wedding called a best man. Where did the phrase best man come from? Hmm. The phrase best man came back. Uh, came from a time in society in which perhaps when there were two men in a fight or a brawl, whoever won the fight or the brawl was said to have bested the other person, bested them, or won the fight, bested them. So the idea that when a wedding ceremony was taking place, you would get somebody that was strong and robust, a good fighter, as the best man. In case any of the family of the of the bride came to steal her away and they were opposing the wedding, there would be someone that could best them and not steal her away. And it is from that we get our phrase, best man. What I, what I want to say is every man inside of you is the best man. Inside of every one of us is a better man. I contend men and fathers instinctively desire to be better men. There's no man that wants to fail at his marriage, at his home, or raising his kids, his career. Inside of everyone, God put a desire for us to succeed, to be that better man. Now, we grew up, guys, remember cartoons and comic books about Superman. Superman would run into a phone booth and he'd put on the costume, the, the cape, and, and he could soar and, and he could leap tall buildings with a single bound. But do you know that Superman, when he was Clark Kent, could still leap tall buildings? It wasn't the cape. It, it wasn't the uniform that gave him his strength. He was that even without it. What I want to say, guys, is your, you're a building leaper inside of you, inside of you. There is, a, there is a hero, there is a better man inside of you. You were created by God to succeed. You were created by God to be the best you, to be that better man. And some of us feel like we can't do it. Yes, you can. And I want to call the better man out in each one of us. With that in mind, I want you to go with me to the Old Testament. The book of 1 Samuel. In 1 Samuel chapter number 10, we have the account of somebody we know as King Saul. King Saul was the first king of Israel. The scripture gives us this description of him. That he was taller and stronger than other men. Okay, yeah, 
worked out at the gym, and he was robust, and he was this, this stalking figure of a man, and that's what he was known for. Now, King Saul was not particularly known as a spiritual person. In fact, that's the one thing God said he lacked. He had the outward appearance. He had the outward of doing. He was effective and successful from the natural point of view. But some of the spiritual and emotional areas, he really wasn't as strong as he could and should be. But there's a moment in his life, and it's found in chapter 10. Let's read it, starting at verse number 1. It says, Then Samuel the prophet took a flask of oil and poured it on Saul's head and kissed him, saying, What did he tell him? Let's go down to verse number 6. And this is what the prophet uh, Samuel told Saul. The Spirit of the Lord will come powerfully upon you, and you will prophesy with him. And you will be changed into a different person. You will be changed into a better man. You will be changed into a different person. Verse 7. Once these signs are fulfilled, do whatever your hand finds to do, for God is with you. Now I want to just make one note in the, in the Bible verse. Verse 6. It says of of Saul, God says, when the Spirit of God comes upon you, you're going to be changed into a different person. That word in our English Bible, different, comes, it, it's a Hebrew word, the Old Testament written in Hebrew. It's a word that's translated elsewhere frequently in the Old Testament as either another or afterwards. I could say of that verse, I could, I could restate that verse. Saul, the Spirit of God is going to come up on you, and you're going to be another person. You're going to be the person you've always wanted to be, that afterwards person. That person that's after he has succeeded, after he has achieved, not the person you are. You're going to be that other person you've always wanted to be. And I believe that is God's word to every man. Every man, there's a better man in you. And here's what God is saying. The Spirit of the Lord can come upon you and you can be that better person. You can be that afterwards person. You can be that another person that you've always known you could and should be. That better man understands three things. The better man understands three things. The first thing that better man understands is that we have a God-given identity. We have a God-given identity. The verse says in verse number six, you will be changed into a different person, as it were. Here's what God is saying. Saul... You're going to be changed. And you, you've been known as a robust, strong, physical person, but you, you have not been known as a strong emotionally and spiritual person, but you're going to become that. You're going to take on a God-given identity. You're going to become the man, Saul, I've always purposed you to be. And fellas, I say to every one of us, self-included, 
God has an identity for us, and he's calling us into that God-given identity. The last several months, starting at the end of last year, my wife, Denise, she's been in kind of a, a remodel of the house. We painted the house on the inside. And then she's been changing the color scheme a little bit. She's been remodeling some areas of our living room and other areas of the house. And she went out uh, several weeks ago and bought a brand new gray fabric couch. They delivered our brand new gray fabric couch. She set it right in front of the window, sits, looks beautiful, the new color scheme, new rug, just she's putting it all together. When I got home that evening, I sat down on the new couch. And the moment I sat down, I could hear something in the structure of the couch that didn't sound right. I could hear, I could hear boards moving and I could hear boards cracking. And I said, Denise, our new couch is broken. I said, come here, listen. We said, oh, and sure enough, you could hear the wood. I said, babe, we've got, you've got to call them. There's a manufacturing delivery somewhere. It was dropped. It's, it's broken. She called the, the company, and they sent out a repair person just in a few days. They were very helpful, and they said, no, the couch cannot be repaired. We're going we're gonna to bring you another brand-new couch. So in a week or so, a delivery crew brought out another brand-new gray fabric couch and brought it into the living room and set it down. And they went to leave. Then he, she said, what about the broken one? And they said, it's yours. Then he said, we don't want a broken couch. We don't want a couch with an ouch. Are you with me? Okay. We don't, we, we, we don't have no, we have no, we have no place for it. And here's what they told her. We're not allowed to take broken furniture back. She said, this is ridiculous. Said, it's company policy. We deliver the new, but you own the broken. We'll, we'll replace it. We'll put it, but we leave it there. Then he said, you can't. We don't have any place for it. And she's going back and forth. She, she calls me. I said, babe, I have no idea what to do. You deal with it and, and figure it out. So she pled with them and said, you just, you can't, we don't know what to do with it. And finally, she, she conjoled them against the company policy. And they took the broken couch with them. And we have our new in good shape couch. Here's where I'm going. To get a change, we had to have an exchange. Now stay with me. Stay with me. To get our God-given identity, you have to exchange it for the faulty identity that society has told us this is what men are. And we have, we have acclimated guys we have taken on the role, the definition, the, the look. The, we, we, we just practice what society tells us men should be. And God is saying he has a God-given identity. 
And if you will carry out the old one with its insecurities and its brokenness and its, its, its wrong definitions and its, its faultiness, if you'll carry that out and say, God, bring in the identity that Jesus went to a cross to retrieve. You see, God's idea was for us to have a pop culture. A pop culture. The first thing God created was men. Not to diminish women, but God is saying, men, you set the standard. You're going to be the voice. In fact, it was God saying, I'm going to take on a title to show people what I'm like. And Jesus said, when you pray, pray, our Father who art in heaven. There's a God-given identity for every one of us. And God is saying, recapture that identity. And I believe the Holy Spirit is saying today, he wants his sons back. He wants his sons back. And we've let the world bring in a faulty, broken culture and definition of what a man would be full of chauvinism and machoism, and we've just adjusted to it. And God's saying, just exchange that, take that out, and bring in the identity that God has and God purposes for us. Have you ever gone through an old yearbook? Do you occasionally get your old yearbook out? Aren't you embarrassed about some of the hairdos you had back then? Yeah? The... Well, don't you wish you had this hairdo and that weight? Are you with me, huh? And you go back, you say, yeah. Well, I say, yeah, I was thinner back then. And look at that hair. What's the first thing you do when you get out of your book? We all do this, yes. What do we do? You get the yearbook out. You always look for yourself. You always go to your picture first. Because deep down, Every one of us are trying to figure out where do we fit in the story. And God has a yearbook. And God has an image. God, God says, this is what you're to be. And the you God created you, the you God created is the best version that's out there. Don't compete with somebody else. Don't try to be like him. Don't try to be like him. Be the you God created. You're the best version of you that God can make. God made no mistake with you. Whether you're, you're tall or short or your skin, skin pigmentation is different or the ears or the eye, you're, you're not a mistake. God didn't mess up with you. You're the perfect version of you. And God's saying, this is what I want for you to be. And God has a yearbook. And he's saying, this is how you fit in the story. This is the narrative. Take on my identity. Take on the identity I purpose for you. Men who have an unclear identity, they tend to, number one, have a lack of personal confidence and self-worth. Yeah, I can't, they say. Oh, I couldn't do that. I'm not good enough. And guys, on inside, we do that. We... We awfulize things in our life. I, I'm, I'm not as good as. And the lack of self-confidence and lack of, lack of self-worth robs us of our, of our potential in our family and our potential in the kingdom of God. It's easy, guys, and you know what I'm saying. It's easy to feel like a nickel 
and a quarter arcade world. You just feel like you don't fit. You feel like you're not enough. You feel like it just doesn't work for you. What's missing? You're not the mistake. But that broken down, if you please, like that couch, it has to go out for the new couch to come in. To have change, you have to have exchange. You have to jettison what culture says. And we have to live out the God-given, the God-given identity that the Lord purposed us. Men, we have what scientists call the SRY gene. You know, it wasn't discovered to till 2012. But scientists discovered that men have a gene in the Y chromosome that ladies don't have. We're not better than them. We're different from them. God created man and woman different. And he gave men what scientists have identified as the SRY gene. And, and this is a mixed audience, so let me be very discreet. It's, it's in that area that what makes men men and that, and that biology of man. And there is an SRY gene, fellas, that you have. Women do not have it. Doesn't mean they're flawed. That's not a mistake. God created them different. To not have the SRY gene it, it creates the disposition in women of being the persons that tend and befriend. Ladies, you're just good at that. You're better at that than we men. Why? You tend and you befriend because that's how God created you. Yes. It's, it's when, the, when, when your kids walk out the door. Mom will tell them be safe. Dad will tell them win at the game. Okay? It's just the difference. Uh, yeah. Uh, if uh, you're watching a ball game. The dads want to know, did he score? Mom wants to know, did he get hurt when he was tackled? You know, it's the tend and befriend nature of women. But guys, we have this, what's called this SRY gene. It's that assertiveness. It's that risk taking. It's, it's, that, it's that action orientation. God put it in you. That's why little boys dare each other. I bet you can't jump over that. I bet you can't jump off the house. I bet, I bet you can't climb to the top of that tree. There's just something in, in boys that the risk and the daring and taking men just instinctively, when a crisis comes, they want to jump in. Why? Why is it that, that, a, that a man will just run to a crisis and he said, how can I help? And just instinctively try to do things to fix that thing immediately because you have this God-given identity. You see, God created us men to meet the challenge. You have an identity, guys. I have an identity given to us by God to meet the challenge. So whatever challenge you have with your family, whatever you challenge you have, God has equipped you in his identity to meet that challenge. And God wants you to lead in that area. The second thing, the second thing that better men understand is not only that we have a God-given identity, number two, 
that God will add his great to our good. God will add his great to our good. Again, in verse number six, it says of, it says of Saul, the spirit of the Lord will come powerfully upon you. In other words, Saul, you're this. But when God comes upon you, there will be something that will be very powerful that will happen in your life. God takes the good that we are and he adds the great to it. That's what he's intending. From time to time, we'll hear it reported on the news of somebody that's involved in a crime and it comes to the sentencing and you may hear this phrase, they got the maximum sentence. It means for their misdeed, they, they're, they're paying the highest penalty that could be given by law. The maximum sentence. What's the maximum sentence for a man? What's the maximum penalty for a man to pay? It's this, to just be ordinary. You see, if we ever accept ordinary, your ordinary is below God's standard for you. Now, your ordinary is not compared to his or his ordinary. But in your life, God created you to be extraordinary, above average, above normal. God created you. He takes the good that you are, and he adds the great of what his spirit can do in our lives. And there is a moment, there is a place, guys, that we were created to be in your family, for your kids, for your home, and your spot and your assignment in the kingdom of God. You're God's first choice. And he wants to add his great to your good. Number three, a better man understands imperfections don't cancel impact. <laughs> Is this good news? Imperfections, I have them. And guys, admittedly, every one of us in this room, we have them. Yes. There's an area I'm not the best. I'm not the smartest. I'm not the strongest. I'm not the best equipped in an area. But with God, here's what he is saying. Imperfections don't cancel impact. It's found in verse number, uh, verse number 7. <clears throat> when the Lord, through the prophet Samuel, told Saul, when the Spirit of God comes upon you, then he says, verse number 7, do whatever your hands find to do, for God is with you. When I was reading these verses, honestly, I got to verse number 7, and initially I was disappointed. Because when I read in verse number 6, and the Spirit of God will come powerfully upon you, I would expect verse number 7 to be this. And now you'll start doing different things. You're a different person. You'll do different things. 
You'll become, you'll leave this and you'll step up and they're going to write a book about you and you're, you're going to be splashed all over the news. You're going you're to be the, the gold winner in every, every medal contest. You're, you're just going to be the highest. You're going to be the, the paragon of excellence in all areas. But that's not what Scripture said. The Spirit of God will come mightily upon you and then you're going to do what you were doing before. Just keep doing it. But this time, God is with you. And that's what I want to tell you guys today. Your imperfections don't cancel God's impact in your life. If you allow God-given identity, if you'll receive that, if you'll allow God to bring His great to your good, then it can start right where you're at today. Just keep doing what you're doing. The difference is God's going to be with you. God is going to elevate. God, God is going to prize. God is going to do something extraordinary in your life. You as a father, you for your family, God's going to work with you and it can start today today. I'm going to lead us in a prayer moment. And if we have men here saying, I'm ready for that, or anybody, it starts by allowing Jesus to be our Savior. We invite God to come in. We invite Jesus to be our Lord and Savior. It starts with Jesus, and God will come mightily upon you so just go out and just start being the better you. Be the better man. Would you pray with me? There are men that as we pray, you're going to start praying, God, change me to be that different person. God, come into my life, and he'll do that. God, take the person I am. I'm tired of being somebody else's version of me. And I want to be the God version of me. It's making a decision today to do things God's way. And if you make that decision today, here's God's promise. He will be with you and you will be a different person. Heavenly Father, today, at the close of this Father's Day service, I thank you for men, and I speak into their life the promise and the potential of the Holy Spirit. I speak into them that Jesus, he can change us. He can change our minds, our hearts, our emotions, things that we feel stuck and we've excused. We can become that different person. And I commend these men. And I call these men into that higher life, that better life that you have for them. There's a man that's praying a prayer, Jesus, come into my heart and change me. There's a man that is praying, God, make me a better dad. And they, they already understand some things they need to do and align to. 
Thank you for their openness. Thank you for their receptivity. And I commend them. And I speak your goodness upon them. And I join them in calling myself to be that better man. And I ask this, your favors and your blessings upon your people this day. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.